want to know the tea on savings? During your mortgage application, you'll be showing your ability to meet your monthly repayments. One of the best ways to do this is showing regular monthly savings. But here's the thing, these savings can include any rent that you currently pay. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The First Time Buyer's Bible by Bank of Ireland. Demystifying the home buying journey through conversations with experts. This week on the First Time Buyer's Bible, I'm with Harrison Gardner, who's an author, builder and teacher with 15 years experience designing and managing the construction of conventional and alternative buildings worldwide. Stunning. His book, Build Your Own, guides own builders on the fundamentals of construction and managing a self-built project. He's also co-founder of Common Knowledge, the non-profit social enterprise focused on sharing skills for a sustainable life. And we love his work. So we're going to talk more on this. He's also the host of Build Your Own, a four-part TV series on RTE. It follows the trials and tribulations of homeowners across Ireland as they take on the challenge of building their own home. He is the perfect person to speak to about building your own and the larger side of renovations and how we can make them more sustainable. I have been dying to have this chat with you because every time I experience you online or I'm reading about you, your sentiments and your thought process and the way you approach the build your own and the larger renovations is just right up my street. And I think a lot of my peers will be the same. So I'm really excited to have you and thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. Oh. And thanks for putting the spread on. Listen, <laughs> I, when I do something, I do it right. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd love to hear more about Common Knowledge. So sure. the non-profit social enterprise. Could yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So Common Knowledge really birthed out of a, a small program that I made up uh, called Build School which was teaching people, explaining to people, helping people understand how to build your own house in a very concise way, in a very, here's the fundamentals, here's what you really, really, really need to understand. There's so much more you need to learn, but if you don't understand these parts of it first, then none of the rest of it's ever really going to make sense. And so that build school program started with eight people sitting around my breakfast table. These were all people who had been reaching out to me on Instagram, just with the various stuff that I was posting around building and that kind of, that kind of thing. And this was five years ago. Um, and I said, look, why don't you all just come and we'll sit down for a week and we'll spend the mornings talking about building. And in the afternoons, we'll actually just build a building. And so we did. So with eight people who none of them had ever built anything before, we, we, on Monday morning, we did foundations on Tuesday. We talked about insulation on, uh, Wednesday. We talked about water filtration on Thursday. We talked about how electricity works. And on Friday, we talked about weatherproofing and roofing. And we built a cabin in my yard oh my over the course of the week. And we still pretty much do the same thing in our build school program with common knowledge, except now over 1,500 people have done that course. And it's gotten a lot more slick. And it's a little... massive now. It is like, yeah. it, I didn't know it had started like such a grassroots kind of starting with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. incredible because it's massive. I hear about it so much, you oh, know, that's word of mouth. Well, it's, there's nothing else out there like it. How does someone get involved in it? People can, can find out about it on 
our common knowledge website. Um, but you know, we, we've, we've created this whole thing, this whole enterprise around what was that initial program, which really was build school was designed to help people with practical skills. This is how you build a house and to make sure that they did it from start to finish, even if they were just a part of it to really understand how every stage happens. They, they don't have to be there. They don't have to have a hand on every single part of the build, but they need to watch it happen. They need to know it's possible. Nice. And, and that was the core of it. And, you know, while we were really trying to give people very practical, tangible skills, what they were really getting out of it and was never, never that we understood the intention, sorry, never what we understood the intention was meant to be, but they were getting confidence out of it. Nice. They were, they were getting an understanding that, this is possible. I can do this, or I can learn this. And people were starting to believe by the end of that week that they might not be ready to build a house today, but they can learn everything that they need to be able to build a house. That is not that hard that they were just part of one getting built. And so now with common knowledge, we have so many different programs. We have over 20 courses teaching all kinds of things, still the main build school program, but then lots of specialized things as well. Things like concrete casting or welding or furniture making or, or clothes repair or anything. Amazing. Yeah. I always think that when you're involved in something that is going to go on to live with you, even clothes repairing and little jobs in your home, you're building a stronger relationship with your home. So how important do you think it is for people to be involved in the process of anything from, let's say, they're renewing a bathroom right through to building a house? Yeah. Well, this is obviously my personal opinion. I'm very biased yeah. towards this. but <laughs> We want to hear it, though. I, I... <laughs> I mean, this is life. This is what it's about. It's about doing things. It's about learning things and getting better at things and trying things and expressing ourselves and finding different ways to do that. There's no clear cut way in how as humans, we're meant to express ourselves. People find different ways to do it. And for a lot of people, that place is in our home. It's the place that reflects who we are. It's full of the things we care about. Hopefully it's the color that we want it to be. Hopefully it's in a place that makes us happy or brings us joy. And all these things that a home is meant to be this, this place of security and a place of comfort and a place to recharge. Those things are only possible if it really does reflect you. And if it's a, a tool for you to make you a better person and a place for you to grow and practice the things you want to get better at. And if you have a hobby or if you want to try and do something new and you can't do it in your own home or you can't change your home to to suit that that dream or that desire, then your home's not really serving you. It's limiting you, mm -hmm. right? It needs to be that place for you to grow from. It's like the soil that we grow in and then we go out into the world and we do all these things. But that that's our safest place to try this stuff out before we have to show everyone else. 100%. And I always think as well, it's the same even if you're renting, deciding how you need your home to be set up for your lifestyle makes you actually think about how you need things set up for you. A lot of people, when I'm working with them, aren't aware of their actual needs until I'm like, what do you need in your living room? And then they're like, wait a second, I don't watch TV that much. And I focused all my furniture around this one box that I don't even look at. Yeah, I do this here and that there. So I think it's a, it's that on such a larger scale. And so I know there'll be people listening. Oh my God, I want to build my own house. That sounds amazing. Where do you actually start? Like what would be your first step? I think there's, I think there's two sides to, to this coin of building your own house. And it's brilliant that people get excited about it and would be motivated to do it. But 
it's really hard, right? It's probably going to be the hardest thing you ever do in your life. It might be the most expensive thing you ever do in your life. Like creating a home in in the current climate of, of mm -hmm. housing, whether you're buying it or whether you're building it for yourself, it's one of the biggest investments we're ever going to make. And you, you don't want to take that on lightly. And I say that because it's really important to have a motivation strong enough to make you push through when it's hard because it does get hard sometimes. And that's not to scare anyone off. That's just to do a reality check that building your own home for most people, it's not a luxury. It's not like choosing how we want to get a home off of a menu. For most people <laughs> who are building their own home, it's a necessity. It's that there's no other way to do it. They aren't earning enough to get a mortgage high enough to get someone to build a house for them. Mm -hmm. The only houses that they can afford are in such disrepair that they need to do huge work on it to even make it livable. That's the reality for most people here, if they can even get into the housing market at all. And so for most people who are coming into building their own home, it's completely out of necessity. And I think what I'm trying to tell those people with common knowledge and with the book and the TV show and everything is that it's okay. It's okay. And you'll get through it and you can learn everything you need to learn to do this thing. And it's not going to be easy, but it's possible. And you'll amaze yourself at what you can actually learn. You know, we're, mm. we're so we're built to learn things. We're built to get better at things. And there's a whole lot of failure that comes in the beginning of that and a whole long, lot of getting it wrong. But we just need to rebuild that culture around us with our friends and our family and our neighbors that it's okay to try something new and to get it wrong the first few times yes. and then to get yeah. better at it. You know, when yeah. someone's training for a marathon, you don't expect them to be the best or to win it the first time they try never. to do it. And know? they always say like, uh, sailor never learned in smooth seas. Like I'd rather get into a boat with somebody who's been out in a million storms than on a boat with somebody being like, it's always been good for me. I'm like, well, we don't yeah. know what you're going to do when something goes wrong. Yeah. Like I think it's, there's lessons in everything that goes wrong. Yeah. And there's problems everywhere. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter if you've been doing this for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like every building site is has problems. Things go wrong and you can be so well-planned and so organized yeah. and have everything exact and then a storm like the one that came through last night blows through and yeah. everything's a mess, yeah. you know, things go missing. Suddenly your pile of insulation's not on your site anymore. You I know? know, someone just dropped something into a bath that I, this specific bath I'd spent months finding and somebody dropped something into it and smashed it the other day. Oh, no. Big hole in it, but it just happens, you know? Yeah, it just happens. Yeah. And you've just got to, the real skill in, in doing all of this kind of work is being agile and yeah. being able to adapt when something yeah. goes wrong. And not falling in love with the bat to the point where you're going to cry. Well, but, yeah. that's, that's going to happen still. <laughs> and you might go and find that bath again, but you know, it's, it's always being able to reprioritize and reprioritize because mm -hmm. the list is huge yeah. and it changes and things change and deliveries don't turn up on time. And suddenly you've got to decide how to use the people that you've got on site when the thing that they were going to do isn't there to do anymore, or how yeah. to use your own time or your own energy. If you're working five days a week and you're only there on weekends and the materials you're expecting to be there aren't there on the weekend, do something else, yeah. you know, don't yeah. sit at home and watch Netflix and sulk and wish, wish that, yeah, you know, or get upset like yeah. that you've, you've haven't, it hasn't worked out for you. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, it rarely works out, you know, and, and you've yeah. really got to, you've got to just expect 
the unexpected, expect everything to go wrong and always have contingency plans, yeah. always have backup plans yeah. for, for what to do and how best to use your money and your time and your space and your energy. Cause you really, you really need to conserve your energy when yeah. you're, when you're taking on a, a project like this and there's so many moving parts to it. The, the mental energy of organizing and coordinating all these people is huge. And then if you're actually doing some of the work as well, if you're also swinging hammers and, and, mm. and building things and moving things, that's energy too. And yeah. you're going to run out pretty quickly if you don't keep an eye on that and conserve it. Yeah, you're, and that's such good advice because you are managing personalities at the yeah. end of the day. And like I find that at work, we have a lot of different teams and a lot of different builds going on at one time. And I have bad days. I have great days. Our builders have bad days and great days. People get sick. You know, like there's been a lot of life experiences in the last seven years of me doing this work where I've realized you go on to site and like there's some energy that you can't leave at the door. You know what I mean? So you've got to remember that you're not always working with perfect circumstances all the time. Absolutely. You know, there's, it just happens like that. Yeah. A lot of people will be listening to this podcast with curious minds, right? Mm. What are the stages? Simply put, I know different houses will have different things, but yeah. if we were just to give an overview, millennials love to learn that way. We love to zoom out on Google Maps and then see what the whole situation is and then we kind of go into the stages. Great. There is value in in understanding the whole scope of it and understanding your points where you can stop and rest yeah. and recover. <laughs> yeah, it's right? important. Yeah. And so, yeah, getting your substructure done or your foundations done, getting your structure built, getting your getting your envelope done or your roof on, you know, mm -hmm. your first fix where you start getting all of your, uh, you get your structure up and you start getting your pipes in and your wires in and everything. Um, then you get your finishing work done and then you move on to your second fix. You get your electrics all finished up the way we see them in our finished house. Same with all of our plumbing and everything mm -hmm. like it's that. It's like your nails and lashes are like your second fix is what I always say to people. Yeah, exactly. Like your first fix is like, it's messy, it's expensive. You're spending yeah. so much money and yeah. everything is behind the walls. Yeah. And you come in and you just think, I've just pissed out a load of money here and yeah. I can see nothing visual. But it's to remember like, this is the function. Like this is the different like tendons and muscles that are gorgeous and inside your body. You know, like this second fix that people kind of crave so much to see they're just like the fake eyelashes and the fake tan and the nails and stuff yeah. like that you know what I mean they yeah. can be as you please yeah you know? sure and I, I think there's danger in like learning some of the vocabulary or a lot of the vocabulary mm -hmm. without understanding that whole process behind it it's yeah. good to know these points that we're trying to hit and know know the yeah. important bits to get to but the vocabulary around building has really been used to shut owner builders, self-builders, lay people like us out of the... Yeah, it's gatekeeping it. Yeah, right? it yeah. is. Like the language that's used by a lot of architects or engineers or builders to to make things seem too complicated. We shouldn't really be getting involved. It's not right. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be done like that. And it's not even their fault because these are just people who are really passionate about what they're doing. These are people who do it every single day. Mm. And so as architects study and learn and do what they're doing and talk with other architects, they develop new language and new, new ways to specify very important details and very fine things that when you're just walking into something and you want to kind of get up to speed on yeah. where, where society's got to in the last 20 years with this profession, <laughs> um, there's going to be so many words that we don't know and we don't understand that can make us feel kind of redundant in a situation or yeah. like we shouldn't be there. Out and of our depth completely. Out of our depth, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think it's it's really good practice to it's really good practice to own that right from the beginning and be able to 
say, it can almost just be one of your like automatic lines. I don't understand what that means. Can you explain it to me and in another way? Nobody minds at all. Like nobody cares. People want to help you understand what it is, and so that you, they can un- help explain like that they're doing something really skilled. You know. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree, and I think there's. I think that's probably one of the core reasons that there there is this maybe tension between. Uh, homeowners and builders you hear people speaking badly about their builders all the yeah, time and giving yeah. out and 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 vice versa and it's because no one understands each other anymore mm. and no one's no one's taken the time to empathize with the person yeah. on the other side of what's going on yeah. and and it's just a loss of humanity because we started treating our homes and everything that comes with them as products mm-hmm. and they're consumption and they're not you yeah. know they're not or if they are they are the most like malleable, changeable, like ever moving products that we could ever try and create and to expect them to be a certain way forever or to do a certain thing perfectly every single time is a lot to Mm -hmm. ask of a home. And there's, there's very few buildings in the world that, that can survive without us being in them and us moving in them and being a part of it. And they're intrinsically human. They're part of us. They're extensions of us. They need us and we need them. Yeah, and it's it's like it's. I think in COVID, like lockdowns, I always say we rediscovered the safety of our bodies and the safety of our homes. Mm. And like, I think a lot of people ended up like stripping back what they thought they wanted in a home and what they needed in a home. Yeah. Do you see like a lot more people going into self build since lockdowns? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think lockdown was was just this speed bump that so many people needed to mm. reconsider if this this path that was right for our parents' generation mm. is actually right for our generation, is actually how we're going to get ahead in this world or how we're going to live a happy life or how we're going to make the most of the time that we've got here. And I think so many people are realizing that having someone deliver our home ready built for us is huge, but spending that time building their house instead, they're going to grow more as a person. They're going to learn more about themselves and they're going to feel like they've accomplished something in a, in a huge sense. And everyone's different and it, it's building your in-house isn't for everyone, but it is going to be for a lot of people. Who and do you a think it's of, for? I really think most people end up building their own out of some kind of necessity. Okay. Either either they're, they're not going to be able to afford to build the thing that they actually want. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways that's a choice, right? You yeah. could you could you can buy the thing that you don't really want and doesn't really reflect who you are and what you want your home to be mm-hmm. or you could do the work yourself you could take on a lot of that expense and that responsibility and that risk and create that space exactly how you want it but do loads of the work yourself and get to the get to the goal that way that's a choice mm-hmm. but i think for a lot of people they're going to get here out of necessity they're going to get to a point where they realize they're going to have to roll up their sleeves and do something different, yeah. right? That that model that is still getting pushed of buy a finished house, get a mortgage. Mm-hmm. It's very safe. Everything mm-hmm. is is fully insured and it's all it's wrapped perfectly up. wrapped up, yeah. ready to go. Just getting so far out of reach for the majority of people mm-hmm. that it's not even a practical dream for a lot of people. You yeah. talk to any kid going through college right now, they're yeah. either assuming they're going to rent for their whole life mm-hmm. and they're financing their life to assume that that rental outgoing their whole life, which isn't wrong either. There's many, many places in the world where that's totally normal and works really well. But for me personally, I, I love having my home and I love the security 
And, and in this context, in the Irish context, you know, owning your home gives you a whole lot of security. It gives you a yeah. whole lot of freedom and flexibility to do what you want with that space and, and really make it serve you as best as it can. Um, and it can grow with you, I find. Like yeah. people I would know that have built their own, a lot of them were able just to build knowing what's coming up in the next five years, you know, like build yeah. into their future, yeah. like an extra room or like they want a certain lifestyle to be able to be out in a garden, things like that. It's just, yeah. you can choose to edit it to suit you. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. And that that is a choice, you know, choosing self-build as a way to make sure you get to the place where you actually want to be yeah, rather yeah. rather than trying to afford the place that you're you're not there yet. You're not who you're going to be in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, you know, we think we know what we're going to be like in 10 years time. And so many things influence that. And for a lot of people, COVID has massively changed who they are and yes. who they're going to become and what they want to do and mm-hmm. how they want to spend their time. And their downtime. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. My, my home is an example of what you're talking about there where Originally, I bought this little stone cottage out in Clare um, and I loved it. And I was single at the time and I was working around the world still. And it was just a little bolt hole somewhere for me to go back to. That's like in a movie. Well, I mean, that that's that's how the house evolved, because I I added an extension to it to suit that lifestyle of Mm -hmm. me having parties there every now and then for me going back and 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 like having somewhere to rest and recover but Mm -hmm. then go back out and keep working and i was working overseas eight months a year or something at the time this is a movie international bachelor and then he goes on to the west coast of ireland (laughs) and has like parties in a stone cottage this is amazing well it didn't last very long because (laughs) i i met my partner erin very quickly in dublin convinced her to move out to Clare with me. Was she me. from Dublin? No, she's actually from Clare. Oh my moved, God. Moved to Dublin to get out of the countryside. And you had dragged been, her back. And I dragged her back. I had to convince her that it wasn't a regression, that we weren't moving backwards, but that it was, uh, that there, were, there was a possibility of setting up something great there. Yeah. She, um, she's a graphic designer and a textile designer and it did take quite a bit of convincing. But we, we got there and the house just, it was not like, it wasn't even suitable for a couple. I didn't even have a bed at the time. I just had a mattress on the floor because this, this was just somewhere I went can someone to out there at. write this movie for me, please? Oh my God. Incredible. Well, so we can fast forward now to now we've got two kids and we've Aww. built one extension and another extension and I'm now building the third extension. To, and you've got the cabin from to, the first project. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. And so the, the house is like, I think it's finally the final shape-ish that yeah. it's going to be that makes sense for this place that was a ruin with with five little stone structures across it that are all now connected together as a house we didn't knock down any of the stone structures wow. they're all part they're all part of the house now wow. um and and we've connected them all together with kind of timber frame passive house kind of quality buildings roofs across them all and hallways connecting them and we love it. We love what it's going to be. And one day we will all have our own bedrooms. We're all still piled. We're split into a couple of them still Aww. at the moment. And and it's but it's great. Our kids are so young, and we love yeah, being close to each other. Yeah, yeah, we don't need a big house yeah. yet, but we will in three years, and it'll be ready by the time we get there. Amazing. You know, I was just I was just busy last night battening everything down when the wind was coming on the construction site oh of my the God, project, yeah. which is a wild. very real side of 
self-building is is paying attention to the weather when you've got building materials or half-built structures or or anything under construction still you've really got to know when the rain's coming when the wind's coming and when big storms are coming just to reality check that that speaking that of reality check right <laughs> i think because you're such a calm person and you're very optimistic but like if you were to give it to us straight mm. about the elements that maybe people don't consider like for example like the weather thing I wouldn't even have thought about yeah right um, yeah so there's the very practical real world things right there's there's the weather which mm -hmm. is a huge consideration like I just talked about there's just the physical labor of it depending how much of this you want to do and depending what you build your house with you're going to be moving a lot. You're going to, you're going to get really tired. It's really physically demanding. Yeah. And so if this is something that you're, you're doing on the weekends or in the evenings, right, then you're talking about potentially working five days a week mm. and then working quite hard on the weekends and then going back to work five days a week. And mm. you've really got to factor in and schedule in just like it's work time off and time to recover because it, it adds up and the older we get, the less, the less oh good we are at bouncing back <laughs> and, and being able to just keep on going. But aside from the physical things like weather and, and the physical nature of it, I think the emotional roller coaster that building a structure will take you on from all of those outside elements, from all of the things that you can't control, whether it's suppliers, materials, like how things are going to show up, you know, that you order things a certain way, you think they're going to be a certain way, yeah. you think you've explained something really well or <laughs> understood something really well. And so many things get lost in translation or misunderstood or, or just completely wrong. And, and this whole time that you're going through all of these new things and, and dealing with all of these new challenges, you're watching your bank balance go down very quickly. Yeah. Like every yeah. time you make a decision, it just negatively affects your bank balance pretty yeah. much. doesn't matter whether it's the right decision or the wrong decision. It costs you a lot of money. Yeah. And, um, and it, it can be really draining and really emotionally hard to roll with. And I think you need to expect that you need to know going into it that, there's going to be a lot of setbacks and there's going to be a lot of hiccups and it's okay. You'll get through them and you've just got to take it one step at a time. You've just got to take it one problem at a time. And every problem is fixable. Every problem is solvable. Yes. You people just, pretend you just to take that. them one, one little thing at a time. Like when you're hiking up a mountain, you're not leaping all the way to the top. You don't look to the top of that hill, right? And see yourself up there immediately or or think it's going to be a breeze to get up there. You start walking, you take it step by step. And at the beginning, it's kind of easy and yeah. it's kind of working. You're like, yeah, I can do this. I'm just carrying bricks from out the front to out the back. I can, <laughs> I can definitely build my own house. And then you get halfway up the mountain and a storm rolls in or it starts <laughs> raining and then things start slipping and sliding and you panic and you wonder what you're doing. And you wonder whether you should be up here at all. You wonder whether you should be trying to get to the top of that mountain at all or whether you should just go back down to the bottom. But and everyone that, gets that, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of people think it's just them. Yeah. And it's not, you haven't failed. No, that's you know? part of the journey. Yeah, that's... in Reynolds, I'm always, people will call me and say like, I should have done this and I should, how? No, like even the most experienced people I know have setbacks yeah. that they say that was so obvious that that was going to happen. Yeah, that's just being human. Human error, yeah. yeah. You know, and I always think like, don't beat yourself up when something's wrong or you just think, why did I start this? 
Yeah. You know, it, it's just how it goes. I think everyone asks that question Do at they? some point, <laughs> yeah. you know, especially when they're building their first house. Man, I still ask it sometimes. I've, I've been doing this for 20 <laughs> yeah. years and I, I, I'll sometimes be halfway through a project. I'm like, why did I not why? ask someone to do this for me? Why am I doing this myself? Um, but I mean, that's, I do it cause I love it. You know, I yeah. still do these things myself because I enjoy the challenge and, and I enjoy, that's how I express myself. You know, mm -hmm. my home is, is, is my place where I get to play and experiment. And I'm so lucky with my family and with my partner that I'm still allowed to be playful in the way that I build and make nice. things as long as it functions. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause that was always the point for me. The reason I bought that old stone cottage was because stone building was pretty much the last building technique that I'd never tried before that really? I had never learned how to do. You know, I traveled the world building cob houses and straw bale houses and, and round wood timber frame and building with trash and earth and all these things. And then I got to Ireland and I saw these amazing stone cottages everywhere, which were just like so beautiful to me. And everyone was just calling them ruins and oh, they've been stunning. abandoned forever. Yeah. And I just, I wanted one. I wanted one so I could learn how to build with stone and see how they did it. And, and it's been an ongoing process over the past, I've been there seven years and it's been, it's been this ongoing journey of learning more and more about how they used to build things. And I really feel like I have a relationship with the farmer who built that house. Oh, that's lovely. Like, when was it? 180 years ago or something. That's, have you looked them up right? on the census? I've looked them up. Yeah. On the census, but yeah. it's, it doesn't say when the house was built. Mm -hmm. The 180 year mark that we have is a gin bottle that we found that was only made in this like 20 year period. Oh and my God. We, I love this. Yeah. We found it buried in the wall. For, I don't know with this, this is something I actually haven't confirmed. I don't know if it's across Ireland or if it's a really common thing, but the walls of our house were full of glass bottles, medicine bottles, wow. gin bottles, all, and they were all perfect still, which one thing showed me that the walls hadn't moved that much oh, yeah, in, they didn't snap. in over a century. The mm -hmm. glasses hadn't smashed, nothing had crushed under there. But I think it's just where they shoved things. They just Oh, do you think that the they were wall. just like, no one knows, and it drank that gin and threw I mean, it into the wall? I don't know. Unless, unless there was some ritual? folklore or ritual to go with it that, that, that yeah. had something to go with it. But I, I imagine glass was pretty valuable back then. I don't think it was, I don't think it was such a like. Well, things were kept product. with you. Yeah. You wouldn't be throwing it out in the bin. No. You know? Like when I look at my grandmother, like nothing was thrown out. Like everything was like washed and yeah. kept. Just yeah, a beautiful exactly. way of living, all wrapping paper. Yeah buttons, all that kind of stuff. Oh my God, that's fascinating. Yeah. So I don't you... know, but I still find them like I still go and like rebuild a part of garden wall or something. And I find all these medicine bottles and horseshoes coming out of the wall. Okay. That is superstition. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe with the horseshoes, the horseshoes a thousand right. percent. Oh my God. That's so interesting. Wow. And I, I think that is the thing. I think we know these things last a lot longer than what we do now. A lot of the building materials and ways we build more modern ones, or even the ways we decorate and interiors and fabrics and carpeting is not built to last because they think that we don't want it to last. You yeah. have to make a commitment to be like, I want this to last. Yeah. People can do the, your courses and your book. Stunning. Like that so is yours, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I love that we have like books out there that space didn't exist before we started doing these yeah. books I always say like do you know when we're dead they're going to be in a library like haunting people who said we couldn't you know what I mean <laughs> let's talk about your type people differ and so do mortgages some mortgages provide certainty when it comes to monthly repayments while others can fluctuate up and down matching you to the right mortgage couldn't be easier search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps 
to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. If you were to start sourcing the materials, is it easy to pick up stuff like that? Like I know there's places I go in London reclaim brick and yeah. you can buy a lot of reclaim flooring and kitchen. Is the, How is that in Ireland? Yeah. You've got much better options in London than we yeah. do in Ireland, but it exists here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. There's a great salvage yard, an amazing one down in Kilkenny called Kilkenny Salvage Yard. Nice. Uh, and Harry down there does an amazing, an amazing job of just looking after everyone who comes in, will go out of his way to get things for people, really gets that people are trying to salvage things and reuse things nice. and that people see value in, in saving things like that. And they're better um, made. They're way better made. Yeah, they are. There are. And I mean, that goes for, even for all their like, uh, like furnishings and all those kinds of things. There's obviously all that range of it. When I go to salvage yards, I'm looking for like bulk bulk bales of floorboards and like huge beams that have come out of old factories and that kind of stuff. And um, there's a couple of places in Dublin as well. There's Max Salvage in Dublin and there's Bailey Gibson in Dublin as well. And I, when I was based in Dublin for a short stint, right when I first got to Ireland, I used to go to those two places a lot and I got a lot of great stuff from nice. there. Because you can start there, even if you're not going out to build your own, I think like you can start small with, with making sure that you have relationships with things in your home. Yeah. You know? And you know, I think you're onto something really important there that this whole thing around sustainability, right? The kind of one of the key parts to that is making stuff last longer, yes. right? And Yes, we have to build things that last longer. That's an important piece of the puzzle. But we have to change our culture around the way we relate to things as well. Mm -hmm. And it's what you're saying. Like, Mm -hmm. we have to want things to last last longer. We have to expect them to last longer. And we have to be willing to put in the work to make them last longer. And, And I think a really big part of that, and this is a cultural thing, is... Because we don't make anything anymore, we don't have a relationship with these things anymore. They're just products, whether it's a cup that we're buying, whether mm-hmm. it's a plate that we're eating off. If we smash it, it doesn't matter. We just go and buy another one. And the way our brain very quickly calculates that, it's like, it's just fine. It's just an hour's work. And then I can afford the new plate. And like our brain does this yeah. automatic little calculation yeah. and the plate has no real value. And it doesn't, and it's okay, plates crack and plates break and it's fine to buy new plates. We've got to do that stuff. But we used to make everything, right? And literally we, everything. Yeah, yeah, everything. Like we, we used to make the tables that we ate from, the plates that we ate from. Our clothes. Yeah, our yeah. clothes, our cutlery. When something broke on the house, we fixed it. And our, our grandparents fixed it, you know, the generations yeah. before us fixed it. And it was part of their culture. And they didn't sit there and scratch their head and wonder who was going to come and fix it for them. They didn't call their insurance companies to, to try and get it fixed as mm-hmm. part of the product that they purchased. They just got out there and they fixed it. And chances are that they built it in the first place. So not only did they have the skills to try and fix the thing. And understand how to fix and it. And understand how yeah. to do it. But they had the motivation to do it because yeah. they care about this thing. They built it. 
They have yes. a story with it, you yeah. know? And if they didn't build it, maybe their parents built it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they built it for their children and they wanted their children to have it. And these things have stories and we pass them on and we carry them with us. And it's not about making everything sentimental, but it's about seeing the value in everything. hundred percent. I think that is a mind shift we need to do because it's not just Instagram. It's not aesthetic. It's not yeah. just a visual. Your home is not a visual. Yeah. It's something that it's, you can rest and sit in and recover it's somewhere that you can build yourself up and recharge but it's also somewhere that can be full of like moments that you'll remember forever you know like you're not going to remember like something that looks good on Instagram yeah absolutely sorry Sorry to break it to people no no I I totally agree and uh, we have a rule in my house that that everything we build has to be able to be danced on so there's no there's no furniture this is so sweet there's no furniture that's allowed to break if someone dances on it. That is incredible. Yeah. Oh my God, that is so good. God, the rules in my house are a bit more risky, I think. But listen, I might bring that one in. Why not? <laughs> that is so good. Oh my God. What I would love if people, when they're listening to this, they understand that like the build your own doesn't have to be from the ground up. Yeah. Like what we're talking about right now is the values behind what you do. Yeah. If you're renting, if you're not planning on buying or building for the next five years, you can start with really small elements in your home. You can learn how to tile that splash back or build that kitchen table. You know, yeah. you might know that you're not going to own your own home for the next 10 years. Yeah. You can, there are these lovely courses you can do where you can upskill and you can learn how to make things. Yeah. And I think that you don't have to wait till you're, you know, like I live in London. I don't think I'll ever be able to build anything. Do you know what I mean? Maybe a kennel out the back for the dog (laughs) that I'm not allowed to have from my landlord. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) But the concept of building your own anything, I think, is something that I just love, you know? Yeah. And it's it's creating that culture of of this is what we do. It's it's we we build things and we make things and we try and be the solution to the problems we face, even the tiny ones in our life, things that annoy us, you know, things that like, I wish I had a shelf on that wall, or I wish that door didn't creak every time I closed it, or I wish those tiles weren't so ugly behind my kitchen and and I want to change them and I want to be able to do that and it doesn't need to cost 1500 euros to change Mm -hmm. the tiles behind your kitchen yeah and I think this culture of people trying things out and it being okay to not do it as good as the tutorial you just watched on Instagram you know yeah it's okay like that person has 10 years experience yeah, you know exactly. and there's a charm in things not being perfect yeah. you know I think we're too used to looking at things that have come straight out of a factory that are mass produced yeah there is something so charming about things just being a little bit askew in my opinion I think the same with clothing I love when I can see that something's hand been handmade yeah I love being like oh you know that that's not a repeated garment yeah. you know it's one of a kind and to be one of a kind it's not perfect yeah you know see perfect perfect can mean anything you know it depends who's asking it depends who's looking at it or who's valuing it yeah and if we're only talking visuals then we may as well just live through instagram right because those pieces of furniture that do look perfect on instagram they are perfect for instagram and they look perfect and as long as we never use them or dance on them (laughs) then they're going to be totally fine but there's so many other things that should equate what perfect means. And it's not just how something looks. It's perfect for you. That's what it is. It's perfect because you can Mm -hmm. fix it. It's perfect because you made it. It's perfect because you can teach someone else how to make it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's perfect because it's accessible to everyone and, and because you have a story with it and a journey with it, you know? Yeah. And I think the idea of what's perfect needs to change along with our expectations of ourselves in what's a perfect performance. If I'm trying to, to build a thing or create a thing 
how much am I allowed to get wrong? How much am I going to allow myself to learn along this process? And mm -hmm. I allow myself a lot of room when I'm, when I'm doing this, because I build all the time, you know, this is what I do. So when I'm building and when I'm trying something new and I still try new things all the time, you know, I kind of expect that I'm going to get it wrong the, yeah. the first time. I, I assume I'm going to make some mistakes and I'm going to need some guidance. And we all have a different process of how we go through that. And I'm kind of, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just very Australian or very arrogant when it, when it comes to trying these things, I never read the manual. I never do anything. I just try it. Yeah. I know I'm probably going to get it wrong, but I enjoy the process of trying to figure I'm it out. I'm the same. I like, I don't get to do that often in life. Yeah. Right? I yeah. love when I'm just like, put away the manual yeah. and figure my brain is designed to do this. Yeah. And yeah. then I take the broken thing to someone who knows much more than me. And I'm like, what did I do wrong here? How, how can I do it better? Like, and I asked someone chair for help. Facing this way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I think it is because you've seen the end yeah. of these projects when you've seen the end of a project, you find the next project much easier Yeah, because you just go, okay, well, this is, you know, it's yeah. like doing anything the second time, you know? Absolutely. And just starting to ask people's advice, asking for people's, you know, kind of their guidance on someone who's seen it, how mm -hmm. someone dealt with something, how they got through with something, what to look out for. It's all helpful. Yeah. You're still going to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. But you just need to know that every mistake is, is fixable. Every mistake's mm -hmm. repairable. And know? a lesson. Yeah. It's all a lesson. Yeah. That's how we get better at things. Mm -hmm. You know, we practice them a lot. We've created this culture where we learn for a certain part of our life and then we put those things into practice for the rest of our life. Yeah. Right. And that's not working that well for us as, <laughs> as a society in every sense, you know, in some ways it's very, very efficient and it makes a very good machine. And, and on a whole, it makes a lot of sense to train people up for a short period of their life until they're 20 or 25 and then put them to work for the rest of their life. Repeating too. it every day, yeah, Monday to exactly. Friday, nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> but we need to do things that fulfill us still and challenge us still. We need, we actually need challenges to solve. We need problems to fix because that's part of being human is mm -hmm. this sense of satisfaction of something not working and fixing it or something not tasting good and changing something or adding something to it. So it tastes good. We get this, like this hit, the same hit that we kind of get in, I don't know, I guess some TV shows now or video games or yeah. whatever it is that it's we're the, doing. It's the kind of dopamine of it. Yeah. This, this satisfaction. Exactly. That mm -hmm. we've succeeded in something that yeah. we've done something well, that we're winning, that we're succeeding at this thing. And we've, we've got to know that we're really, we're looking for that in our life. And having opportunities to fail or succeed are just opportunities to get that hit. And you don't get one without the other. Such a right? good way to put it. Um, I, I think the process, the real value in this whole process of, of the journey of getting to building your own house is, yeah, you have a finished house at the end, though I don't think houses are ever really finished. You'll yeah, never I agree. stop working on I it. I agree. Right? Even from a decor point of view, you're never really finished. No. Because you're changing as a exactly. person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But you're learning, you're learning how to do this stuff, but you're learning how to use tools, mm. right? And the tools are a really key part of this building process is that that's where the empowerment comes in, mm -hmm. right? We're all born with, with, well, most of us are born with two hands and, and, and the ability to try and, and do these things and we can copy the person next to us. And then the builder shows up with their van full of tools, which are all mysterious in their own way. Yeah. And just like the language that they use when they get out and all these tools have different names and different blades and different bits that go with them. And it's, it's, it's all, 
it can be really intimidating. And then you go to a hardware store and it's full of tools and materials that you don't know the names of and you don't know you don't know what they're used for or how they how they should be used. And all of that can can become a blocker. And so, you know, you were talking about different courses and different things to to do out there. There's companies for new things that are coming onto the market across across the industry, right? Not just for self-builders, but for new materials that people are learning how to use, builders are learning how to use. So whether that's new materials for flat roofing, whether that's EPDM or fiberglass flat roofing, whether it's how to make a house passive rated. Yeah, you know, because that's, All of that's those where things. we should be aiming to kind yeah. of be, really. Yeah. yeah, builders are trying to learn this stuff right yeah. now. And self-builders can join that journey just as easily, right? It's not exclusive to builders. So there's there's companies out there who have specific products who run training and self-builders can go mm-hmm. and join those training sessions Amazing. and learn alongside builders and they can learn how to do this roof. At the same time that the builder that they would be paying to do the roof is learning how to do it. Amazing. You know, and, and those companies exist out there. And then there's the, the FET courses, the further education and training courses, mm-hmm. and they're running amazing programs that are free for people to go and learn how to get houses, passive house, uh, rated mm-hmm. and airtight and like all of the, all of the, the tapes and products and different things that need to be used to, in, in order to achieve a certain rating, yeah. all that stuff's out there for people to go and do and learn. And then you've got courses like common knowledge, what, what we run, where we're teaching you how to use the tools. It's harder for a, a self builder to find the place where they're going to get taught how to use the tools. Yeah, that is how the, the confidently use the tools, yeah, safely exactly. use the tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of information isn't anywhere else out there, and that's why we're teaching it. That's mm. why we're offering it to people because it's only out there for people who are going to work in the industry. Yeah, and I think these are skills that everyone needs. These aren't just people who work in the industry that need to know how to use drills and saws and mm-hmm. hammers and all that kind of stuff. Everyone needs to know this stuff. Everyone needs to know how to fix their kitchen sink when it starts leaking. And so that's what we're focused on. You know, we're focused on at common knowledge. We're focused on courses that are about giving people the skills and the tools and the knowledge and the confidence to go and do all the things that they actually want to do around the house. And like you said, seeing it from start to finish, Mm -hmm. you know, that's so important. And, and, and if you can find an experience, if someone, you know, is building a house, go and help them. If you ever think you're going to build your own house and you've never seen a house get built before, go on the weekends, go one day a week and just watch that whole process happen and help out a bit. And, and you know, that, that male spirit that used to be in Ireland, that used to be such a big part of culture and community here. It, it played this important role of knowledge sharing and understanding and empathy between people. And, if you ever think you're going to do this thing, you just want to expose yourself to it as much as possible. Yeah, see it yourself. I yeah. learned so much the first few times on site just going and thinking, well, when that person comes in, this is what it looks like afterwards. This is what it looks like during, mm. you know, like bring nice snacks and go on yeah. like a Saturday or a Sunday and give your friend a hand. Like yeah. that is like, so, that is actually such good advice because most people are never on when they build or they renovate. It's the first building site they've ever been on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and their inv- and their money's tied up in it. Yeah. You know, and their emotions are tied up in it. Yeah. So getting onto a site, I do think, and seeing stages, even yeah. on YouTube, you can watch loads of them. Yeah, you know? but I think being on site is so different. It, yeah, the YouTube 
obviously in a way it's filtered the same way that Instagram is filtered and we <laughs> see certain versions of things and you want the reality. You want to see the bad bits. You, you want to smell it. it. Yeah, yeah. You want to see the, the OSB getting wet when it shouldn't be getting wet and how they're going to solve that. You know, you, you want to be there to kind of, yeah. to be a part of that whole process. Um, I, yeah, I, I feel like I hadn't thought of it before, but I feel like that's probably the most important thing for someone. If they think, they're ever going to build their own house from a planning point of view, kind of forget like order of operations and knowing where everything's going to go in the right, in the right place. And you're going to forget all of that stuff. Yeah. Go and help out on a building yeah. site one day a week Even if for you're just six at months. strip out stage, yeah. like you're just there for that. And then a little bit along and like, yeah. who is doing a self build that doesn't want a hand? Absolutely. Mm. That exposure is going to be so valuable for yeah. the people going to see it. But the person doing the build they need support too yeah. because our culture doesn't support self-builders very well. It doesn't yeah. support us to to do this work and to try things and potentially fail, you know. It's mm -hmm. it's not really designed like that and we're really we're really taking something our grandparents used to do completely normally and bringing it back and forcing it back into the way the way that we create homes now and the way we create shelter now and we need all the help we can get. We need our friends to be encouraging and helpful not to be telling us we're crazy. And, you know, we need every kind of support, you know, we need all levels of it. And with building the house, it's the same. We need someone who, who's going to be there to help us move the bricks from the front yard to the backyard. But we also need someone who's going to meet us at the pub on a Friday night just to like yeah. relax and debrief after a crazy week of trying to build our own house and yeah. all the things that went wrong and some of the things that went right. Yeah. You need that kind of like sound yeah. board, don't you? Yeah. This has been such a gorgeous conversation. And I think, as you say, there's not a lot of like support and conversation that often around people that are self-building in their lives. So I hope that anyone who is in it, considering or is definitely planning to, has been able to learn from that conversation that we've just had. And I think definitely check out your work and your book as well. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Laura. I, I really think that the community around this and the culture around this is really important. And anyone who's thinking of doing it, they just need to remember they're not alone. There's loads of people out there and loads of them are coming through common knowledge. And if you ever are looking for someone to talk to about your self-build project, there's over a thousand of them that have come through common Amazing. knowledge that, that we can connect you with. So yeah, it's a good place to find us. Amazing. And I'm coming to see that house in Clare. I can't wait. Great. <laughs> Thanks again for coming in. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Let's talk approval and principle. Finding your dream home takes time. And that's where mortgage pre-approval comes in handy. For your approval and principle, simply have a lender assess your creditworthiness and give you an estimated amount. With Bank of Ireland, you get 12 months approval and principle, giving you more time to get it right. Search Bank of Ireland Mortgages for more stunning steps to make your mortgage journey smoother. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval is subject to the assessment of suitability and affordability. Property and life insurance are required. You mortgage your property to secure the loan. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank UC trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.